Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? It's going to be fun. In this together, get out your sermon notes. Uh, we're, we're going to talk about marriage today. And, and, and I, I do want to say something from the get-go. That, that if, you're, if you're sitting in this room and you're just like, hey, I don't, I don't really like this subject matter because I'm divorced. Can I tell you two things? First of all, God's love for you has never changed. And you are not second class. And we love you. And we don't know what the future holds for you. But, but if it didn't work out the first time, can I just tell you something? That you're still going to hear some things that are going to be encouraging and you can still learn. And so whether you're single, whether you're divorced, married, married for 50 years, you're, you're going you're gonna to grow today and, and learn some things today from the Bible that maybe you never knew before, maybe never thought about before. And it's going to be awesome. So, so on this Valentine's Day, I thought I'd start something a little bit different today, uh, especially because of Valentine's Day. Gentlemen, uh, for all of you who are sitting next to you, your spouses and your and I hopefully you're not sitting next to somebody else's spouse. That's all I got to say about that. So if you're sitting next to your spouse, you might want to lean over to them and just whisper the, to them in there. And I'm being serious about it. Lean over, whisper in their ear and say, baby, you've never looked so good in, your, in, in my whole life. You've never looked so good. Just go ahead and tell her that. Just go ahead and tell her that. I'm telling you. I'm, gentlemen, just follow my lead here. Now, now ladies, because oh, they just, oh, they love you. They, ladies, your husband thinks you're hot. I'm just saying. And you need to whisper back to him. You, you, you need to, now this is too, it's not whispering, but you need to whisper back to him and say, baby, you're going to have a great day today. And then wink, wink. You got it, baby, you're going to have a great day today. then wink. Just do it. Go ahead, ladies, do it. Go ahead. And, and now I expect a fist bump from every single man in this room that's married. And, and you know what I'm talking about, because it's going to be a good day. I just set you up. You can thank me later with a fist bump. All right. So a lot of you are able to play around with stuff like that and, and, and just say, oh, that, that's funny and, and that's awesome and, and you know, because uh, you, you're in a great marriage. But there are some people that in this room right now that that was probably tough for them because they're not in a, in, a, in, a, in a healthy marriage. They're married, but maybe not a healthy marriage. And, and that might have even been awkward for some. As, as funny as that would be for me and my wife to do that or maybe for you and your spouse, there's some people that that would be awkward. Uh, about and 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 this is what I found out. This is after 25 years of marital counseling, and and I just want to say this off off the bat. I I, I want to. It's just something I've had on my heart to say for a long time, and and these these are marriage problems that that people often experience, and what it drives marriage pro, married people to do, what it drives spouses to do if they have a lot of marriage problems. And I just want to confront three things before we go any further. So if you're having marriage problems, what I've seen after 25 years of ministry is that marriage problems oftentimes drive people to do one of these three things. The first one is to seek counsel, but actually to seek counsel from someone who just confirms their view. And I'm going to let that sink in just for a second. That they're seeking counsel, but they only want to get counsel from somebody who will justify their thoughts and their actions. So, so my wife and I, we've counseled uh, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of, of people. 
I mean, countless number of people in marriage. And, and, and a lot of times people will come to us and they'll tell us their problems. They'll tell us their thoughts. And oftentimes we can tell in that conversation that they're looking for us, not for counsel, but for justification for what they're about to do or what they already have done. Never go to a counselor for justification. Go to a counselor for wisdom. Go to a counselor for somebody to speak the truth to you in love and then embrace it when they tell it to you. If you're going just to get somebody to confirm what you want them to confirm, your heart, is, your heart needs to be changed. Your heart needs to be changed. Uh, uh, for instance, I, I've known some people that, that uh, you know, have come to us for counseling and they just didn't like our answers because they followed biblical guidelines. They, they followed, of course, I'm going to teach according to the word of God and counsel according to the word of God. Well, they didn't like it because it was in opposition as to what they really wanted to do. And so they went to somebody else. Well, they didn't know that that somebody else contacted me and said, hey, we had so-and-so come and talk, contact us. And they said they, they, they talked to you. And, hey, we, we told them that, you know, uh, we really don't, don't really want to meet with them because they should be going to their pastor. And, and, and every time, you know, because of confidentiality, we're limited as to what we can say. But there's code that, that you know, gets the point across. Well, they just, they're looking for somebody to tell them what they just want to hear. Not what's wise, but just what they want to hear. And finally, on the sixth or seventh person, they'll finally find somebody who's a counselor. And that counselor might be their best friend or it might be, you know, a family member, somebody who'll say, oh, yeah, you're totally right in doing that. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And I'm going to do it because you just, just justified a bad decision. Somebody just justified a bad decision. And that's not the way counseling works. And if you come to counsel here at New Song, whether with me, another staff pastor, with Dr. Bill, uh, if you come and get counsel, we're going to teach you from the word of God. And that means sometimes people don't like it. But we always speak it in love. And if you're wise, you'll embrace it because it's directly from the word of God and he knows what's best. The second thing is uh, people oftentimes form an opinion. They form an opinion first and then they look to the Bible to support that view. They form the opinion first and then look to the Bible to support that view. And that's dangerous, everybody. It's dangerous because now you're not taking the Bible in context. You're not taking it the way that it was written to be. So one of the, some, one of the questions I ask when I come across this in counseling, I said, I will ask people, if, if you were alone, if you grew up on a deserted island all by yourself and you had nothing but the Bible and you'd never been married and you don't have any emotions attached in this decision or in no emotions attached in, uh, you know, the, the area of marriage, would you come to the same conclusion that you came to yesterday or last week? And, 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 and a number of times people say, no, I'm exactly right. Because what, you, what conclusion you came to, your opinion is not really found in the Bible. And you're trying to make that verse stretch to mean something that it doesn't. And, and so be careful of that. Let, let me say it like this, everybody. Let me say it a different way. Never... Never form the Bible around your opinion. Always form your opinion around the Bible. Do that. I'm going to say it again. Never form the Bible around your opinion. Always form your opinion around the Bible. Let the Bible speak. Let the Bible trump your opinion. Because it is sacred. It's, it's, it's directly from God. It is inspired. It is God-breathed. It is, it is inerrant. It is perfect. So let the Bible speak and form your opinion around the Bible, not your Bible, not the Bible around your opinion. And, and then the, the last area, the last group is just the people 
who just ignore the Bible altogether. They just ignore the Bible altogether. They know what the Bible says, but they're going to do what they want to do no matter what, and they just ignore the Bible. Don't do that. That is, I promise you, that is not your best life. I, I promise you, even though it makes sense in the moment or you've convinced yourself that it makes sense, I promise you, God knows best. God knows best and you have to trust him. And if you're Christ follower, then, then, then as a Christ follower, the Bible should be the foundation of what you build your life upon. So single, divorced, married, long time married, Everybody, let's all base our lives on the word of God and live by it. Whether we agree with it or not, whether we question it or not, let's just say, you know what? God's opinion trumps my opinion, and I'm going to do it God's way, and you'll see the blessings of God upon your life. Now, that being said, I want to talk about some, some things that we find in Scripture about that. First of all, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, to suit their own thoughts, to suit their own opinions. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I'm going to go out and find somebody to justify my thoughts. And if you don't justify my thoughts, if I disagree with you, that's it. I'm I'm going to go somewhere else. I I remember one time, uh, this is years and years ago. We don't do Q&A series very often anymore. Um, Um... and, and, and that's just because of uh, just the nature of our church today, just the changing, uh, uh, the growth of our church. But a long time ago, years and years ago, I remember one of the Q&As, which is where people just submit questions and I answer them th- from the pulpit. Somebody asked in, in, in the Q&A series if aliens are real, if aliens are real. Well, I have an opinion about that. And I, I tell everybody, hey, these are, these are my opinions. And and my opinion is no. I, I think there's angels. I think there's demons. In fact, I know there are angels. I know they're demons. And, and I know a lot of people want to talk about ghosts and they want to talk about aliens. And, and I, I'm just telling you there is a spiritual battle. But my, my opinion is, is no aliens. And, and then I talk, talk to them about Jesus Christ dying once and for all. And he died for humanity. And, and so that, that, that's a whole big thought that goes with that. Are there life forms? And would, would Jesus just die for us or would he die for them too? And our, you know what I'm talking about? Like that's a, just a big thought. And so I was describing that day and, and one, one person just got up and they just walked out, just got up. Poof, they were gone. They were mad. How dare Pastor Justin not believe in aliens? Well, part of me was like, oh, if that's what you're all about, we're probably healthier without you. You know what I'm talking about? Like, go to Area 51 and have some fun, all right? Um, no, it's, it's not. It's your, actually, I contacted them and said, hey, I saw you leave. And what's, well, I just disagree. I, I'm like, well, you know, prove, prove that to me in the Bible. Prove, you know, like, and I told you it was just my opinion, but we didn't have to agree. But yet, a lot of people, they just, they just go places to hear what their itching ears want to hear. They, they, they just want somebody to justify their opinions and their thoughts and their views. Can I tell you that's dangerous? You need to go to a church that is a life-giving, Bible-believing church that holds to the word of God. And if it's ever my opinion, I'll tell you it's my opinion. If it's ever just a deduction that I have, if it's ever just a conclusion that I came to, I'll say, hey, this is just a conclusion. This is my opinion. And you shouldn't be bothered by that. You shouldn't be offended by that. But there are some things in the Bible that are not, they're just truths. They're not opinions. They're just truths. Jesus is the son of God. True. I'm going to fight for that one. 
Like, I'm not going to give in in that area. I'm not going to say it's my opinion. It's a truth, and I'm going to hold to it. God is creator of the universe. True. True. Is Jesus coming back? Absolutely. It's true. When? I don't know. I don't See, I can come to a conclusion on that. So some people come up and say, well, I think he's coming back. Can I tell you, just relax. Relax on that stuff. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Does your church preach the Bible? Are they Bible? Then you have a good thing. You have a good thing and hold on to that. How many are grateful we're a Bible-believing church? Amen? Amen. And we just speak the truth in love. That's what we do here. But, um, Matthew chapter 19 is where we're going to go next, and I'm going to teach you. Now I'm going to kind of change gears here and say, okay, we're focused on the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? This is what it says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And what I tell people as they come in for, uh, for counseling, if they're, if they're talking about divorce or separation, I, I tell them two different things. I'll say this. Hey, 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 first of all, my wife and I made an agreement before we ever even got married. This is before we got married. Even in our mid-20s, we were wise enough to make this decision that said, no matter what comes our way, we will not talk about divorce or separation. We call it the D word, but it's not the four-letter one. It's divorce. And that, when I don't use the D word anyway, the other one, I don't use that one either, but we don't use divorce in our home. That is not an option. What God has joined together, let no man put us under. Like, like what, what God has joined together, two people becoming one flesh, two people becoming one flesh. And, and, then, and then the second thing I tell them is, the Bible says what God has joined together, when two people become one, let no one separate, including you. As long as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, the Bible says, live at peace with one another. So you do your best. Now, now for those in here who, who have experienced divorce, maybe you're, you're struggling with things right now. Can I tell you? This is encouraging for you. As, as far as it depends on you, do your best to live at peace. Do your best. Take responsibility for what you need to take responsibility for. When you mess up, own up. And, 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 and you got to trust God in the middle of that. So as far as you're concerned, you say, hey, listen, I'm not going to separate this marriage. I'm just not going to do it. Because that's not the will of God. God, the Bible says God hates divorce. But let me say it this way, because some people, like, you think God is angry. Like, God hates divorce because it wounds people. Because it hurts family members. It hurts children. It doesn't bring anything good. He hates it because it causes destruction. He hates it because it's hurtful to you, his child. Because it's hurtful to others. Everybody see it. God isn't for it. God isn't for it. So what God has joined together, let no one separate. And if you're really struggling, see a counselor. Call us. That's what we're here for. We're here to help you. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're going to get the ultimate result that you want. Sometimes people are stubborn. And I've, I've just learned that I'm not responsible for their response, that their response is their responsibility. Everybody see that? But you're responsible for you. As far as you're concerned, live at peace 
with one. I hope I'm helping somebody this morning. Do your best. And, and if you say, well, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to teach you that here in a second because you need to know, number one, write this down, that marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. It is a covenant. It is not a contract. It is a covenant that you made before God where you said in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, till death do us part. I am in a covenant with you, not a contract. And there are big differences between that. Let me explain the differences here. A covenant is based upon mutual commitment that I am fully committed to you. But a contract is based on mutual distrust. I don't know how you're going to treat me. So I'm just looking out for number one. Like I'm in a contract and if you hurt my heart, I'm out. No, that, that's not a covenant. That's a contract mentality. A covenant says, I'm with you forever. Through thick or thin, I'm going to live for your benefit. I am with you forever. I'm, I am committed to you. How many are grateful that Jesus was committed to us? Even while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us, right? He was committed. Why? Because God is a covenant God. He's a covenant God. Well, I could teach on that, but I will later. Covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. It it, it surrenders rights. It it, it takes away that argument. Well, don't I deserve? That's, That's a contract mentality. That's not a covenant mentality. So a covenant actually surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. And a contract protects personal rights and actually shirks responsibility. Like I'm just looking out. I'm just looking out for me. I, I'm. I, I, what? What? What about me? What about my rights? What about my thoughts? Don't I matter? Don't I deserve? And you're so focused on you that if you live like that, it's not. You're not going to have a healthy marriage. You're not going to be able to be restored if you live with a contract mentality, where it's just all about you. And and you got to break that. If you're dealing with that today, you got to break that. And and I'll I'll teach you again how in in a second. Covenant has the interest of others in mind, and a contract has personal benefits in mind. So a covenant is, is I'm just going to live for your good for the rest of my life. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm I'm going to love you and serve you and care for you. I'm going to live for your benefit. But a contract is... Hey, listen, I, I'm just thinking about me. So when somebody comes in and say, Pastor Justin, we'd love for you to officiate our, our wedding. Uh, we, we always tell them, well, counseling is required. Premarital counseling is required. And as they come in, they talk to me or they talk to, to, to Dr. Bill or, or even Pastor Josh. Um, one of the things, one of the first things that I'll ask them is, well, why do you want to get married? Like, tell me why. Oh, he just makes me so happy. He just, I just, when I'm around him, I just get, oh, she's so great. I just, I just can't imagine life with, without her. She just does this and she does this for me and she does this for me. And I just feel this way. And I'm thinking contract. That's not covenant. I, I'm thinking dysfunctional. That's not good. Let, let me, let me say it like this. In fact, in those moments, I just want to barf. <laughs> like, like, you are so self-centered. You are so in that moment, are you really that self-centered that you're thinking, I want to marry this person because of the way they make me feel instead of I want to marry this person because I can't wait to serve them and love them and care for them for the rest of my life. I want to live for their good. Instead, it becomes I want them to live for my good. And I'm so happy because they live for my good. And that's why I want to get married. What a terrible reason. 
And I'll tell you, there's been a couple of times where I've just looked at them and said, I'm sorry, I cannot officiate this wedding because you, you're not mature enough yet to know the difference between a covenant and a contract. Now I'll say it really, really nicely. I'll say it to them like, hey, I just don't feel comfortable with this. I think you got some more growing to do here. And I think there's some more things that you can discover. Well, we're, well no, we got to get married right away. And can I tell you, for, for the, the few times that people would not adhere to counsel, they would not adhere to wisdom, and, and we just said, no, I'm sorry, we just can't officiate. In good conscience, we can't officiate this wedding. That they went out and got married anyway, and, and every one of them that I, that I know of have all ended in divorce. Every one of them. Why? Because they were so self-centered that it wasn't about living for somebody else's good. It was about that person living for their good. And that makes for a bad marriage. So you say, well, how do, how do we live our life then? How do we marry? Can I, can I tell you the, fir- the first thing? This should go uns- uns- unsaid, but I'm going to say it anyway. If, if you are married, be a passionately devoted follower of Jesus. Have him be the center of your life. If you're single, be a passionately devoted follower of Jesus and don't marry anybody who isn't. Don't marry anybody who isn't. I've told my children their whole life, when when it comes time for you to find your spouse, if you're wise, you're going to ask for me and your mom's approval. If you're wise, you're going to say, hey, mom and dad, do you see anything in them that I don't see? Because we will honestly tell them, hey, listen, this person is not a follower of Christ or not a real one or not not truly devoted to Christ. We're going to be honest in that moment. And might be honest with them anyway, even if they don't ask. Okay, so moving on. Number two, healthy choices or healthy marriages are a choice. They're not a chance. They they don't happen by chance. They happen by choice. Healthy marriages occur by choice, not by chance. So my wife and I, I think we have one of the greatest marriages in, in the nation. I really do. We have a phenomenal marriage, but I promise you it was not by accident. We work at it every single day. We, we We're... We're focused on it, and we do it by choice, not by chance. By choice, not by chance. In fact, I wrote this down that most people don't get married because they're excited about living up to their spouse's expectations. They get married expecting their spouse to live up to their own. Well, I just have an expectation they're going to do exactly what I want them to do. Can I I tell you something? You need to get your eyes off of you, and you need to put it on your spouse. If you're married, listen, one of the best things that you could do, one of the best things that you could do is love Jesus first and foremost. And then, and then by choice, love your spouse the way God told you to love them and just live for their benefit. Well, how, how do I do that? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know this, that healthy marriages happen by choice, not by chance. And here's the choice of love. Watch this. Love is patient. That's a choice, isn't it? And in fact, can can I tell you this? When you have to focus on being patient, doesn't that mean there's something in your life that's causing you to be impatient? Right? How many know that makes sense, right? So if there's something causing you to be impatient, and that's the direction you want to go, you have to make a choice. No, I'm going to be chased. I'm going to be patient. That, That choice that you make is love. It's not goosebumps. It's not emotions. In fact, on that day, you're not going to have an emotional response to patience. You're just going to have to choose it. 
Your emotions will tell you something else, but you choose patience anyway. In fact, let's keep going. Love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness is a choice. It does not envy. That's a choice. It does not boast. That's a choice. It's not proud. That is a choice. It does not dishonor others. That's a choice. It's not self-seeking. That's a choice. It's not easily angered. That's a choice. Am I making, am I making my point here? That you think love, you might think love is, oh, he just makes me feel like it's goosebumps and my hands get all sweaty. That is not love. That's testosterone. That, that's, the, you know, um, um, hormones raging. That's emotions. That's not love. Because love is a choice that leads to emotional experiences. Yes. I, I'm very emotional with my wife. I, I mean, we're emotional with one another. We love each other, but the emotions come out of our commitment towards one another. It comes out of these choices that we make in our life that I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to put you first. And what happens, everybody? What happens if you were to live life like this? In fact, let's go deeper. What would happen if you live life like this and your spouse did too? You would be mutually edified, mutually satisfied. Because love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then the very next few words that are not on the screen today, but it's right there following this. It says, love never fails. The choice to be patient, the choice to be kind, the the choice to honor somebody above yourself, the the choice of humility, those things never fail. They never fail. And if both people are doing that, which my wife and I, I'm so glad to say we are. Now, we don't have a perfect marriage. There's no such thing. There's still things that we're working on. There's still some times where I mess up. I'll tell you, I I got loads of stories about Justin mess-ups. Loads of them, but I'm working, I'm, I'm changing, I'm striving, I'm, I'm aiming at that to live out a life of love that always lives for the benefit of my wife. And she's doing the same for me. And I love her now more than I've ever loved her before. And she loves me now more than she's ever loved me before. And I am so satisfied with my wife more than that. And she's satisfied with me because we're doing it God's way. Do we have bad days? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Do we argue every now and then? Every now and then. Not very often. Because if you're busy serving one another, you don't have time to argue. And you have nothing to argue about. See, see, the, the other day, uh, let me give you an example of this uh, choice, not chance uh, just the other day literally two three d- days ago three or four days ago now um I, it had been a really really long week i just had a long week here and and uh it was the end of the week and i guess it was probably thursday and uh we were both together maybe it was friday we were both together and um we were getting ready to go home and we had about an hour before we had people coming over to our house my, my daughter had some friends over and and we were prepping for that or getting ready for something and um I'm like a guy. I don't remember details. Sorry, ladies. I just don't. But I remember, I remember what I was asked to do because I had every intention. Like, you know what? It's going to be a busy night tonight. And I just want to go. I just want to go home and I want to lay on my bed for about an hour. 
and, and then I'll get up and, and do, you know, go through the rest of the night, whatever I have to do. And right when I was getting out of the car, my wife and I were, we, you know, she was going one way, I was going another. She, all of a sudden, I think she rolled down her window and kind of yelled out, oh, by the way, will you peel potatoes? Now, everything inside of me is like, no, I want to lay down. Don't you know? <laughs> you know, I've had this on my, my heart now for a few hours. I just want to go home and rest for an hour. Can somebody just give me an hour of rest? And she said, can you peel potatoes? And my answer to her was, you bet. Yes, dear. And I went to the house, and not, I not only peeled potatoes, but I went even above and beyond that. I cut up the potatoes. I sliced them all. I washed them all. I put them in a, a big pot, and I even put them on the stove and started them for mashed potatoes. You like started, like, you know how you have to simmer them for a long time. I did it all. So she, she gets home, and she doesn't go into the kitchen. She just comes straight into the, to the bedroom to, to change clothes or whatever. And, and sure enough, I'm laying there on the bed just reading as she comes in. And, and she says, did, did, you, did you peel the potatoes? And I said, I said, no, baby. I just wanted to rest when I got home. I, I didn't want to do it. Oh, okay, you know, and she she walks out and she goes to the kids. She says, "You're such a liar," you know, like yells it out. And uh, I'll tell you, I I didn't want to do. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. It's it's servant-hearted. That's what love does. And 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 you gotta you gotta live that out. And and I wasn't feeling the goosebumps when I was peeling potatoes. I promise you, I wasn't. But I love my wife, and I was showing her of my love. I was showing her that I'm that I'm I'm there for her. Let me give you these things here: that true love is never a matter of selfishness. I'm going to go through these quickly. The true love is never a matter of selfishness. What, what's this, everybody? It is a matter of availability, though. Write that down. Availability. It's not a selfishness, but availability. Are you available to your spouse? One of my weaknesses is. Some, sometimes I have the tendency when I'm leaving, when I'm leaving the office, sometimes I just send out three or four emails or phone calls right before I left. And so I, I go home and sometimes I'll sit down. It's five o'clock or five thirty, And immediately I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if they got those emails. I wonder if they responded. So I'm opening up my, my phone, my, 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 my emails to see. And Jennifer say, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm, I just got a few more emails. Well, you're home now. You're home now. And what she's saying is you need to be available. Like the church had you all day, and now we need you all night. Like other people had you all day, but now, Justin, it's my turn. It's the kids' turn. And, and, and I've, I've, I'm having to learn, consistently having to learn, just to put that down. Just remind i got to put that down. i got to stop looking at that. i got to stop talking about that. This, this is family. I'm, I'm available. If she needs help, I'm available. I'm here for you. Yeah, um, and she does the same for me. She does the same for me. The second thing is awareness. Are you, are you aware of who your spouse is, of what they really enjoy, what they really like? What, are, are you aware of how, to, of how to speak their love language? Are you aware of how to show them the, the type of love that's most meaningful to them? So my wife, her love language is acts of service. So I know that when I peeled potatoes, I was going to get a kiss out of the deal, everybody. And I love to kiss my wife. That's a good thing if you're married to love to kiss your spouse, right? And uh, I knew that she that that's just her love language that 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 I got to do that for her, and that 
And that's just meaningful because that's her love language. Can, can I tell you this? You've got to be aware of what to give and, and what not to give. One, one time it was like Christmas or birthday or something. And, and Jennifer had been telling me for a long time about all these things that she wanted in her house. She wanted a new set of pots and pans that were like ceramic inside instead of that nonstick because that was kind of apparently bad for you or something. And or I don't know, and she just wanted ceramics, something a little bit safer, but really nice. And she was talking about other things. And I just thought, I thought, oh, I love my wife. I'm going to, you know what, I'm, I'm going to buy her a bunch of like um, towels, kitchen towels. What she wanted. I'm going to buy her that, that set of pans. I'm going to buy her some, you know, the gloves for, the, you know, the, the, to pull hot stuff out of the oven. I'm just going to get all of some spoons. And I, I got all of that. And like, that was one of the worst gifts you could ever give. Gentlemen, never get your wife an appliance for her their birthday or Christmas. Just don't do You need to be more aware than that. How many men you've messed up in that area? You have bought your wife something that was just looking back. I shouldn't have done that. You need to be more aware of one another. Like, what is the right time to give this to her? I, I, I was telling the first church, like, uh, uh, in fact, this happened. Somebody told me this, this, this very morning that they bought a vacuum cleaner for their spouse and um, for, for like a, a birthday. <laughs> he, he lived to regret that. I'll tell you that. He lived to... To, to regret that. And, and in his mind, it was like, I, I'm just, I'm, you know, this is just a gift of love. I, you just, I didn't know what else. To, you need to be more aware. What does your spouse like? What, what do they enjoy? It, a gift needs to be a gift, not an appliance. A gift needs to be something outside of, the, of your, of, of what should just be a normal budget expense. Everybody see that? Like it shouldn't be cleaning supplies. It, it shouldn't be, a, a gift should be something meaningful to that person. And sometimes that gift is quality time. It doesn't even have to be expensive. Sometimes that gift is, hey, would you spend a day out with me? Like, would you go on a date with me this weekend? That's a wonderful gift. Your spouse would probably love that. Um, uh, ladies, you might want to look at your husband and say, you know what? I just want to go buy you a new handgun today. They would love that. I promise you. Uh, come on, guys. Give me, some, give me some love here. Okay. I got you covered. I got you covered. Um, the next thing, assistance. Assistance. Are you, are, you not, are you available? Are you paying attention to what they're in need of? And when you're paying attention, are you, are you being... Uh, are you assisting them? Are you helping them? Are you saying, hey, obviously you got your plate full. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you as best I can. Everybody see that? To be actually not just saying, oh, she's like, well, I'm so busy tonight. Don't sit on the couch. And when he's saying, well, I'm, I'm so busy, don't just go back to your room. Just say, hey, how can I help you? How can I make this better? How can I make this better? And then do it. Assist them. Serve them. The next one, appreciation. 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 You know, th this is different. This is, this is going to your spouse and saying, you know, honey, I, I really just appreciate you for all of the hard work you do around the house. You know, you're, you're an amazing woman. And you, 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 you know, you, you do this. I don't even have to worry if that's getting done or not. It's just, it gets done. And I, I'm just so appreciative of the fact that you do laundry. That's just amazing. And and ladies, go to your you want to, you want me you want to talk man language? Go to your husband and say, you know, you know, dear, I just appreciate you so much. You work so very hard for this family, and I just want you to, to know that I really appreciate you. You're a great provider for us. I'm telling you that that charges, that energizes a man when you know that you appreciate and, and, and you honor him and you show respect that is due him. It, it, say, hey, hey, dear, I'm just so, I'm just so appreciative that you make sure that we're safe. 
that you're always watching out for strangers. You're always making sure the doors are locked. You're always making sure that we're never alone when we go here or there. And I, I'm just, I want to say thank you for protecting us. I always feel safe when I'm around you. It energizes a man. The next one, affection, affection. And, and sometimes we get this wrong in the way that we show affection. I, I typically, I, I typically, um, uh, one of my love languages is affirmation. In fact, it's the primary love language that I have, affirmation. The second love language is physical touch. And, and, and there are some times where I'm trying to show my wife my love for her, and, and, and sometimes she just feels like, okay, I, give me some space, because that's not her love language. So give me some space. You know, and I need, to, I need to recognize that the best way that I can show affection to her is, is in the way that's most meaningful to her. So she, she loves her, her, her to being served, acts of service, and quality time. Quality time. So, so when we're talking, I'm, 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 I've learned, hey, I'm not distracted by anything else. My wife has my full attention because that's how I'm showing her love. I'm showing her love. And she feels more loved when I'm showing her attention eye to eye, face to face, that she feels more loved doing that than when I'm holding her hand. Or when I want to snuggle, she just feels more love that way. And so you have to show affection. And sometimes, ladies, can I tell you something? When men show you affection, sometimes we're clumsy with it. Get over it. We're trying. We're trying. It reminds me of a story. There's a story about this um, showing this uh, affection, and sometimes we get it wrong. Remember, there's a guy named Elkanah in the Bible. He had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Hannah's the one that went into the temple and was praying, and eventually God gave her a son, Samuel. And Samuel became a, one of the greatest judges in, in Israel's history. And But Penina was another wife, which is kind of typical back in those days. They would oftentimes have multiple wives. And Penina had a lot of children. And Penina was making life miserable for Hannah, just always teasing her, like, you can't have kids, and, and I have kids, and, and, and that means Elkanah loves me more than he loves you, and you should be cast out, which he would have had the authority to do. If she's not bearing children, he could have divorced her. He could have gotten her out of the house. And, and this is what, it, very in a very clumsy way, Elkanah goes to his wife, and, and he's showing her affection. He just doesn't know how to do it. And he goes to his wife and he says this phrase. He says, why are you so downhearted? Like, I know you really want kids and I know you're desperate for kids. And I know it's breaking your heart that you don't have kids. But why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And I know what she's thinking. Hannah's thinking at the time, that's not what. I'm not talking about you. This isn't about you. This is about this, the lack of children I have and this need in me to have children, this great desire, and this isn't about you. And, he's, and, and, and a lot of ladies here in this room, you might have gotten that wrong. Like, how dare you say, of course, this isn't about you. Why do you think this is about you? This is about me. This is about my, can I tell you? He was showing affection. He just kind of did it in a clumsy way. And if, you're, if your spouse is trying to show affection, they're trying to show you love, and they just do it in a clumsy way. Could you just be filled with grace and say, baby, you're the best. And even if you're smiling at them like that's the last thing I needed right now, but I know you love me. Come here, give me a hug. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, especially ladies, men are going to get it wrong sometimes, but look past our clumsiness and just look at our hearts. Look, that We're trying to show you that we love you. And just take it for what it is and, and embrace it for what it is. And then the last one, assurance. Assurance. That there's this assurance 
that we need to offer one another, that no matter what, that again, the D word is not a word in our house. We don't talk divorce. We don't talk separation. There's just an assurance there that no matter what happens, we're going to make it together. We're going to go through it together. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make it. This assurance that I love you and I'm committed to you and I'm in covenant with you for the rest of my life. I'm not going anywhere. You can count on me. Assurance, assurance. Like your, that, that my wife knows that she's worth fighting for. And I know in my life that my wife would think, and he's worth fighting for. Assurance, assurance. You know, it reminded me of another story. Remember the, the story of, of um, uh, Jacob. He arrives at, at his uncle Laban's uh, place and he, he meets Leah and Rachel and he falls madly in love with Rachel, who's the, 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 the younger daughter. And, and Laban says, hey, you can marry, you can marry uh, Rachel, that's fine, but you got to work for me for seven years. And, and that's exactly what Jacob does. He gets in there and he gets his hand dirty. And for seven years, he works for Laban and even says this phrase. He says, they seem like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Like, that's pretty amazing. Like, he didn't care about giving up the seven years. He just wanted Rachel as a wife. Well, you know what happened? Laban tricked Jacob. Jacob ended up consummating the marriage with Leah. And, and he gets all mad, Laban, why did you trick me? And he said, well, Leah's the older daughter, and technically she should have been married first. And don't worry, you can still have Rachel, but you got to work for me for another seven years. Well, Jacob ended up marrying Rachel within, within about a week's time, but he did work in total 14 years for Rachel. 14 years he worked for her. That, don't you know that Rachel had to be so assured Look what this guy is doing for me. And, and ladies, when your husband goes to that, that, that job and he works like a dog and he slaves, he's doing it for you. He's putting food on the table. He's providing for his family. You say, well, I want him to use words more. That's okay. You, you, can desire, you can even talk to him about that. Say, hey, honey, could you just express it a little bit more? But be gentle when you say those things because he is offering this level of assurance that I'm taking care of you. I'm providing for you. I'm working hard for you. And you need to see it for what it is that there's this assurance that he's providing for you. What, what I'm saying is don't expect your spouse to be perfect. In fact, why don't why don't you start expecting more from yourself than you do from your spouse? You know what? I'm going to be a better man. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be more aware. I'm going to be available. I'm going to be appreciative. I'm going to show affirmation and affection. I'm just going to do all of these things because I so love my wife. And then vice versa. Ladies, you do the same thing. But you know what? I'm going to raise the expectation of myself and I'm going to love my man for who he is. And I'm going to give him my life and I'm going to serve him and care for him. And I'm going to be patient and kind. I'm going to watch my words and I'm going to love, I'm going to love this man that God has given me. Even on his worst days, I'm going to be his best friend. Even if he, he's clumsy every now and then, I'm going to love him through it anyway. What I'm saying is instead of living with expectations from your spouse and how they're not fulfilling your expectations. Could you just take the focus on yourself and say, you know what? I just need to be the person who God called me to be. 
And I'm going to do it because I love God and because I love others. I love my husband. I love my wife. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my own expectations in my life. And it's a daily choice. It doesn't happen by accident. It's a daily choice where I live my life and I say, Jennifer, you're first. You're more important than I am. And she lives her life saying, Justin, you're first. You're more important than I am. And we are both mutually satisfied and edified and encouraged and strengthened and joyful because we, we're getting it right. Every day? No, not every day. <laughs> but most days. Most days. You should, live the, you should live the same type of life, have the same type of marriage, and I hope even better than what my wife and I experience ourselves. I'm going to pray for you. Could you bow your heads? And I didn't pray this in the first service, but for anybody in this room who you've been hurt by somebody in the past, you've been wounded. Anybody listening online and you're and, and you're hearing these things and you're saying, well, I wish my spouse would do that or I've been hurt. They haven't did, done those things. And can I just, can I pray for you just very quickly? Heavenly Father, there's some people in this room that need to be ministered to in such a special way. And they have hurts that I cannot heal, that, that there's no power within me, God, to really do anything in their life. But there's nothing impossible with you. Lord, heal their hurts. Bind up the brokenhearted, Lord. Let them know that they're not second class. Let, let them know that they are dearly loved by you and that their past does not dictate their future. Lord, let them know that you're working out what they've gone through for their good and that you have good things in store for them. And I pray, Father, that they would enter a level of love for you like they have never known before as they surrender their life and trust you. And I speak blessings upon them. Heal them, God, I pray. And for every marriage, Lord, that's represented in this room right now, for every marriage that's going to come, there's some single people in this room right now who are listening online and they haven't been married yet. But Father, I pray blessings upon their marriages, the ones that will be and the ones that are. Lord, I pray that we would rise up as men and women of God and we would live out our lives, that we would live out our marriages, relationships, the way that you've called us to do it, that we would not be self-centered, but we would be self-sacrificing, that we would honor others above ourselves, that we would learn to live for the good of somebody else, and that we would deny selfishness and pride and the things that just keep us down. Today, Father, we choose to respond to your word, to be patient, to be kind. We're not going to envy. We're not going to boast. We're not going to be proud. We're not going to dishonor others. We're not going to be self-seeking. We're not going to be easily angered. We're not going to keep any records of wrongs, knowing that love never fails. Thank you, Father, that your word is true, and it changes us, and we honor you that marriages that are in difficulties right now, that they're going to be restored, that relationships are going to be reconciled because of your goodness 
because of your grace. And Lord, if they're in trouble, if they're dealing with difficulties, give them the wisdom and the boldness to ask for help and minister to them in such a special way. And I pray that in Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.